Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'd like to welcome back here to the Reader House Author Roundtable, author Paul V. Zalstra. Paul, welcome back. Thanks for joining me again. Pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure is all mine. You have a new audiobook out called Our Spiritual Compass, The Conscience and Morality. Now, Paul, what's this book all about? The book is about what the Bible has to say about the conscience. It's in three parts. The first part is to let the reader know that the Bible says quite a bit about the immaterial parts of man, the spirit, the soul, the heart, consisting of the flesh, the will, the mind, and the conscience. The second part of the book deals with what the Bible has to say directly about the conscience. And one of the reasons why I wrote the book is because it's an underserved topic. There are 32 places in the New Testament alone where the conscience is mentioned, and yet you never hear a sermon on it. Hmm. There are at least 11 different types of consciences, and it's something that's covered quite a bit in the New Testament. And I also go over the origins of the conscience in the Old Testament. The last part of the book is about how the conscience relates to morality, and it's a 200-year history of morality. To give you some idea, I went back to Noel Webster's 1828 dictionary, and I looked up things like morality and ethics. And for morality, it says that it's from mores or traditions, hmm. and it's of a group or of society. Now, whereas ethics is from the Greek word ethnos, which means character. So ethics applies to an individual. Nowadays, that's turned on its head. And people consider morality to be personal, which it's not, and ethics to be of a group. Interesting. Which is just the opposite of the definition. So it's been a very interesting topic to study. Yeah, sounds like it. Paul, would you say you had mainly Bible-believing Christians in mind for this? Yes, I do. However, I've provided this book to uh, legislators and to our governor here in Iowa and also to judges, various people, because the conscience is mentioned in at least 12 state constitutions directly. It's referred to as something to be protected. So it is a part of our history, the history of this country, as well as a biblical topic. Did our spiritual compass take you a long time? I could imagine something this deep would have taken a while. Actually, it was a fun topic, and I'd already done most of the research. I took about two months to write it. As with any book, it takes about a year to develop it. What did you find the most challenging part of that whole process? Getting it reviewed. I had various people review it, all ages, including uh, some of my atheist friends read the book for me and passed back comments. I took it all to heart, and I added one whole section because of an atheist friend who read the book and decided that he didn't understand the part about the law. So I added British common law to it, which is very much dependent on the conscience. That was probably the most challenging, just satisfying the, the audience, knowing the audience and satisfying the audience. 
And what was it like to hear your book being read as opposed to reading it off the page? Doing the audio editing on these books is quite the challenge anyway. But I had a very good narrator, and it was very interesting. Even though I wrote the book, it held my attention well. It didn't take very long. I mean, the book is around 200 pages. It didn't take all that long to do the audio editing. Paul, I know that you love to write. So what's next? Do you have something in the works? I do. I actually have six copyrights now. Only five are in print. I'm working on uh, another one in the Spiritual Life series titled Our Spiritual Restoration, Repentance, Forgiveness, and Reconciliation. And that'll be the last in the series. And they're basically to be read and to help people. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed and challenged by this book. And I encourage everybody listening to check it out, especially the fans of the audiobook edition. The title again is Our Spiritual Compass, The Conscience and Morality. It's written by Paul V. Zalstra and is published by the Audiobook Network. So anywhere you go for your audiobooks, you can find this one, like Audible, Apple iTunes Store, Amazon, anywhere. And Paul, thanks again for coming back on the show and telling me about our spiritual compass and everything you got going on. I had a nice time talking again. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on your program. Joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm talking with Ainsley Billings. Ainsley, welcome. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Well, I certainly appreciate your time tonight, Ainsley. Wanted to congratulate you. You have a new book out called The Offenders. Can you tell me about this, Ainsley? What can readers expect? Yeah, so this book is a YA kind of science fantasy, a little bit of dystopian thrown in there. The main plot follows Astro, who is trying to survive in this world and discovers that a new world is actually alive and she has to work to find a cure so that the people of her old world can kind of come into this healthier new space. The step plot follows a lot of just familial relations, dealing with sibling bonds and parental bonds. It's really just kind of a story about how family can come together. Hmm. Ainsley, what sorts of readers did you have in mind for this? I targeted like young adults like 12 to 18 age range, just because that's kind of where I was when I was writing the story. And how did the idea for this plot come about? So it actually came out of a dream I had. I dreamed very vividly, and it started many years ago, and I kind of have played around with the plot. Of course, we've written it, added characters, edited throughout the years, and now it's here. And when it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done anything like this before? I have not. This is my debut novel. I've written over the years just fun little stories for myself, but I've never actually shared it with anyone in such a scale as this. So it was, this is a pretty new experience for me. Wow. Congratulations. Did this Thank take you. you like a really long time then? Was it all drawn out being your first one? The publishing process is relatively quick. The writing of it was quite a long time. I think I started at my freshman year of high school and now I'm a senior in college. So a good seven to eight years. Then that day came and you finally got that physical copy. You got to hold this thing. What was that moment like for you? Oh my, that was honestly surreal. Sometimes I still don't even feel like that's a reality that's happening to me. It's still <laughs> just so crazy that it is. I have a book. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think you would do it again? Maybe a sequel to this or some other sort of book in the future? I definitely would love to write another book. I'm more of a standalone writer. I just, I don't have the brain capacity to write a multiple kind of series. My goal right now is to write a book in every genre. Hmm. 
So my next book would be a historical fiction. That's kind of what I have going on right now. So being that you published for the first time, it can be quite the learning experience. Uh, do you have any advice now that you could offer to the aspiring authors? I guess the advice would just be, don't be afraid to just let it happen. Just don't be afraid to just dive into the process. I think I was held back for so long just being afraid to hear no and just hearing rejections from publishers and all those things. And honestly, I just learned that I have to just dive in and whatever happens, happens. And I just got to roll with it. Now, this took a long time to do and you had a lot of work into it. Now, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author for you? For me, I really think it's the networking. I did a book festival this past weekend, and I just got to meet so many different authors of so many different genres, of so many experiences. And I think that was just so cool to be able to be around like-minded people and chat about our various interests. When you were writing The Offenders, did you outline it out, or were there times when you just started writing and saw where it went? A little bit of both. Generally, I knew where I wanted things to go, but I really just kind of would wait around, let inspiration strike me. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes I'd be sitting in a classroom and I would not pay attention to a lecture. I would just be writing out scenes over <laughs> scene after scene after scene. So I won't tell anyone. You know, I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of let things happen and just try to be the vessel for that. Did you ever get writer's block or times when you just had no idea what to write next? Definitely. Definitely. I think in every process for every person, you're, there's always that moment of just kind of stopping and wondering, what am I doing? Where am I going? And in those moments, it was really important for me to go back into just the kind of the root of the story and just remember where these characters were coming from, where I needed them to end up and just really dive into just the heart of the story. And that kind of rooted me back into where I was trying to write. I think a lot of readers out there are really going to be into this book. Again, it's titled The Offenders. It's written by Ainsley Billings, and it's published by Covenant Books, so you can get it everywhere. So check out Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find this. Ainsley, it's been really nice talking with you tonight. Thanks for telling me all about The Offenders and everything you got going on. I had a nice time chatting. Yes, thank you so much. I really, really appreciated it. It was wonderful chatting with you. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Peter Schellenberger. Peter, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Just wanted to say congratulations. You got a new book out called Crop Duster Pete. So, Peter, can you tell me all about this? So, this book essentially just tells a day in the life of a crop duster pilot and puts it into child form. What ages of children were you thinking here? So my age range is between, I would say between two years old and to even 10 years old. Some of my followers have bought it for their kids who are about 10 years old. I have three boys and they're in that two to six age range. Mm. So that it would be between that two to six would be uh, primarily the age. How did the idea for this story come about, Peter? Well, originally the idea for a children's book came about several years ago. I was reading to one of my kids and I thought, wow, this seems really simple and easy. I was a little bit wrong on the easy part, but I saw it and I thought, you know what? I could probably do this. And one day while we were on a road trip, I wrote it out and that's kind of how it all got started. And how long of an endeavor was this once you started and then clear up through the publishing process? So I wrote it in, I guess it was 2021, early 2021. 
And I wrote it, and then it just kind of sat in my phone for about a year and a half. And then my wife got a hold of Christian Faith Publishing, and I got in contact with them, sent the manuscript over, and that was September of 2022 was when the whole process started. And from there, I think we had our first like prototype books out, I think the beginning of June 2023. Are you new to this whole thing, Peter, writing and publishing? Yes, I am 100% a newbie. What did you find the most challenging part of things, especially when it came to everything you have to do to publish it? Well, since it's a children's book, having illustrations, doing the illustrations, taking care of the illustration side of things was the most time-consuming on my end, most time-consuming and the most effort I had to put into it because of having to describe each scene in detail. And for those who actually get the book, the verse, four pages, I actually drew those illustrations and the illustrators kind of just took those and copied them for the first four pages. And then the rest of them, I, you know, I used real photographs and stuff to portray the illustrations of what I wanted to actually convey to the kids. The whole illustration part was definitely the most difficult of the process. Mm. We're just talking about a lot of time went into this, a lot of hard work went into this. So when that day finally came, Peter, you open up the mailbox, you open up that box, and there it is, your first physical copy of Crop Duster Pete. What kind of a moment was that like for you? I guess just kind of, I didn't know what to think. I wasn't excited. I was just kind of stunned. Because it had taken, you know, however many months, nine months or so from the moment of, you know, getting the manuscript accepted to the time I actually held it in my hand. So I, I would say I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't like thrilled and pumped and like jumping up and down. I just kind of opened it up and just kind of sat there and stared at it and looked at it. And it was kind of hard to believe that I was actually, you know, holding my own published children's book in my hand. What are the chances we're going to see more books from you in the future? Very good. Very good chances. I'm already working with a collaborator on a second book we're hopefully going to get together this fall on. Wonderful. And I would assume you learned a lot along the way of doing this for the first time, Peter. So based on that, what advice could you give to the aspiring authors out there? If you are an aspiring author and you want to get a book published and you don't necessarily have the time or the necessarily know-how of marketing the book and getting the book onto these major stages like Amazon and Walmart, I would 100% recommend you go with a publisher. It does take a little bit extra time, but they make sure it gets listed on all of the big places that sell books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, all those, and you don't have to do anything. It's definitely worth it, and just be patient, and you know, make sure you have a lot of attention to detail, for sure. Good advice. Well, this is certainly an important book for children, and I think a lot of them are going to be really into it. Again, this is titled Crop Duster Pete. It's written by Peter Schellenberger and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. So, of course, you can get it anywhere, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Peter, thank you again for joining me here and telling me about your books. I had a really nice time talking with you. You too. I appreciate you having me on. Isle Royale Greenstone, Exploring Michigan's State Gemstone. That's the name of the book. It just came out. That's written by Jordan DeWitt. And I get to learn all about this book. I got Jordan right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Jordan, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to learn about Isle Royale Greenstone. Can you tell me what the book's all about? 
Well, it's a book that's been in the making for a little over 10 years. It's actually kind of a family thing. My dad and I, we've been into the lapidary and stone kind of hobby for quite a while. And we found that the greenstone, it's a Michigan State gemstone, but it's the least exploited, least understood stone in Michigan. Hmm. And yet it's still the state gemstone. Interesting. So we started out as a kind of a guide. And then we started further down the road, we started writing a book. And I mean, throughout the book, it's explaining the story of, you know, how to find it, what's happening to the greenstone as far as I guess you'd have to read a little bit of it to understand it, but the greenstones are found in the mine tailings of the copper mines. And so to find it, you have to go through all the copper mine tailings to find the greenstones. And what's been happening is they've been using that, the copper mine tailings for road gravel, and it's being kind of spread all over the Keweenaw Peninsula. Hmm. So people are kind of miffed on how to find them, what they look like. And so this book serves as more of a guide and more as a tool for an adventure to go find them. I was going to ask you if you had certain readers in mind, what kinds of people you think would be most into it. I'm thinking maybe Michigan residents or rock and gem enthusiasts. Rock and gem enthusiasts. In Michigan, more like the Great Lakes region. Hmm. There's people that travel to the Keweenaw from all over, really, within driving distance. How long of an endeavor was this for you, Jordan, once you decided, hey, I'm going to start writing a book about this, clear up until you got it published? Oh, it was more than five years. I would say we started putting together, you know, the photographs and the information on it was sort of an evolutionary thing. You know, it used to be it was pretty easy to find a greenstone if you were willing to go look and kind of do a little bit of research on the Internet. And then Keweenaw County, they started using the road gravel from these mine tailings that the greenstones were in. And so they got kind of spread around. And before we knew it, the mine tailing piles were gone and the greenstones with them. And so finding them then involved, you know, going out on the trails and trying to find the gravel that the county had moved. Hmm. And when it comes to writing books and publishing all of that, Jordan, are you new to this or have you done it before? No, this is the first time. Oh, congratulations. It's such a big deal. So much work, as you know, goes into this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What was it like when you finally got that first one in and you actually got to hold this book you've been working on, you said, for five years or more? Well, I tell you what, it, it's kind of hard to believe that it was something that we had done. By the time we got it done in, in Newman Springs Publishing, I mean, they just did such a great job with facilitating the whole process. So mm. once we were able to put the words down on paper, I mean, of course, we worked with them in the editing process and trying to convey our idea to the script. But other than that, yeah, it was pretty real when we saw the book and it was <laughs> done and it was pretty neat. What did you find the most challenging part of the entire process? Staying with it. I mean. Actually, just staying with the writing process, I knew what I wanted to have in the book, but it was a little bit hard for me to stay focused and stay diligent and finish it. You know, with life and there's so much other things going on and, and it's like you have to be self-disciplined to sit down and actually finish it. I feel like there may be a lot of starters, a lot of people that would start writing a book, but I mean, it really takes a lot to finish. Yeah, sure does. And then on top of that, you do have to let it go at some point and just say, well, I think we're done. Yeah, that can be tough as well. <laughs> yeah, because you just don't know if, if you've got it all in there. You don't know if the content is enough, if people are going to want to read it. But you do have to let it go at some point. Jordan, do you think you would do it again? Do you got another book in you, you think? Absolutely. I had a few ideas in mind I'd like to keep private to myself yet, but I'm not done. I'm just getting started. So Fantastic. Yep. I think a lot of readers are going to be fascinated by this book. Again, it's called Isle Royale Greenstone. Exploring Michigan's State Gemstone. It's written by Jordan DeWitt, 
published by Newman Springs Publishing and available everywhere. So get on Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, get on iTunes, everywhere you pick up your books, even traditional brick-and-mortar stores, you'll be able to find it. Jordan, it's been really nice talking with you about the Isle Royale Greenstone, learning all about that and about your work. I had a nice time talking tonight. I certainly appreciate your time and I appreciate you calling and making me a part of your program. I sincerely appreciate your time tonight. There's an important lesson to be learned in the new book by Joan Marie. It's titled Grammy's Treasure Hunt, Cameron's Choices. And we're going to learn more about this book. I'm talking with Joan right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Corey. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm happy to have you, Joan. Can you tell me all about Grammy's Treasure Hunt, Cameron's Choices? Oh, I would love to. So this is actually my first children's book that I've written. And it is about a 10-year-old boy who goes on a magical treasure hunt in search of what he doesn't realize is one of life's most valuable treasures. The story actually is an amazing adventure that involves a very unusual baseball game. His opponents are dangerous creatures. There are unique teammates on his team. There's a very peculiar ball field. And one special helper Cameron has that guides him throughout his whole quest. What he doesn't know is what his prize will be during the quest. But he does know he needs to make good choices to win it. So he has no idea that the prize will, he'll be able to use throughout his whole life. So building into the exciting action of the game, there's many examples I put in there of good morals and values that I believe children need to have as part of the foundation in their lives. The book's a fun story with exciting characters and has many, many life lessons for elementary age children everywhere. I'm curious, Joan, how did the idea for this story come about, and then how were you inspired to publish it? Well, I would say about five, maybe six years ago, I was sitting at a dinner with my children. We have a blended family, my husband and I, with 10 grandchildren, and they're all age 10 and under. And some of them are out of state, about half of them are out of state. And I thought, you know, it's so important for a grandparent to be a role model for their grandchildren. Hmm. And that's like taking teaching moments in life whenever the opportunity presents and try to instill really good values in them as much as you can. So with half of them being out of state, I just was inspired to say for my grandchildren, you know, I want to instill these good things in their life, but it's difficult to do when you're not seeing them very frequently. So basically, this dinner with a blended family dinner, I kind of announced out of nowhere that I have this goal of writing a series of 10 books. Oh, wow. And they're going to be called Grammy's Treasure Hunt. I knew the name. It just kind of came from nowhere. Literally, it's just called Grammy's Treasure Hunt. I didn't know what stories were, you know, what they were going to be about, but I knew I wanted to dedicate one to each grandchild. So it really started with an idea of if only the 10 grandchildren read this book, I'd be thrilled, right? Or read all of the books, I should say. And so then to get inspired to publish it, as my children started to talk to me about it, it's like, Mom, the world needs your messages. This, you can't just give this to your grandchildren. All kids need to hear these messages. Mm. And so then from there, it just kind of grew and grew, and I got serious about it, and here we are. Joan, you said this was your first children's book, so did this take a long time for you to produce? Well, I was thinking about it maybe like five years. Throughout the five years, when I actually got committed, book action to start writing, sit down and start writing it, it took about six months because over mm. those years, 
I have the whole, you know, lots of thoughts of what I want to put, what message. It starts with the message I want to give, and then I want to build the fantasy treasure hunt that'll be unique for each book. So really, it didn't take that long to write because once I dedicated myself to the writing process, it went pretty quickly. What's it like, Joan, when you open up your mailbox and there it is, you get the first copy of your book and you actually get to hold it? What's that moment like? (laughs) I have to tell you, honestly, it was, I don't use the term surreal in my (laughs) life, but it literally, when I opened the package and there was the book, I mean, I had such an overwhelming feeling of like accomplishment and I was so proud of myself. You know, so often you can say, I don't think people can say I'm really proud of myself. But I was, I was so excited to finally share the book with the world. Like it actually inspired me to want to do the next book. And it's really with a moment I will never forget. It was really special. Well, I think a lot of children are going to love this book and get a lot out of it. Again, it's titled Grammy's Treasure Hunt, Cameron's Choices. It's written by Joan Marie, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Joan, it's been wonderful talking with you here today and learning about Grammy's Treasure Hunt and the whole series. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Corey, so much. I appreciate your time. There's a new audiobook. It just hit stores. It's titled Embers of Darkness. It's written by C.C. Milton, and I'm going to find out all about this audiobook. The author, Charles, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Charles, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Charles, can you tell me about Embers of Darkness? What can readers and listeners expect here? Well, the uh, book is mostly about three characters. The named character, Alexis, she's orphaned, the only survivor of her village, and she's half human. So growing up, she's bullied a lot, so she has a lot of anger issues, but she also wants to figure out who she is and why her parents died. So when she becomes an adult, she joins the night, and that's where her adventure starts off. And then you got the main villain who is trapped inside a uh, doll for thousands of years, and then she's trying to get her body back. And then you have the prince who has the power, and he's the one that started everything in motion. Now, Charles, what kinds of readers did you have in mind? Who do you think would like this the most? Well, I left it as general trade, which is adult, but most of the uh, readers who replied to me are older teens, college-age people, new adult, young adult area. But it's open to anyone who's willing to read something a little more mature. As far as this plot goes, Charles, how'd you get the idea? What inspired you to write this? Well, it all started out, it was originally going to be a computer game. Hmm. But my computer exploded, and the only thing that survived was the script. So I bumped into one of my high school teachers, and he asked me if I wrote a book yet. I said, no, and he said, well, we all thought you are going to write a book someday. So I just decided to make the script into a book. So is this the first time you've been published then? That's the first book. I already published the second one earlier this year. So this is a Flames of Adventure series. How many do you have planned out, do you know? Five. I'm working on the third one right now. Oh, fantastic. And when you're writing these, Charles, do you have an outline that you go by, or do you know sort of how the beginning, middle, and end are going to go? Or do you start with kind of an idea and and go from there and see what happens? A little bit of everything. I'm what's called a panther, Mm. so I don't plot anything out. 
I just know a general idea of how I want them to end, but how they get there, it's more character-driven for me. So how they get point A to point B is all dependent on how I feel their personality can take them. And how long of a process was this for Embers of Darkness, the writing and the publishing? Was it a long, drawn-out kind of thing? Oh, yeah. It, the first book took years because my wife and I had a little disagreement in the middle, so I stopped. And then she told me to uh, keep going. And when I looked at it, I had to rewrite the whole thing. Mm. So it took a few files. The uh, publishing was the easier part, but the editing, getting it written correcting mistakes, publishing it, realized that I made a few more mistakes, <laughs> and republishing it. Yeah, first book, Jitters, there's always mm. going to be issues because it's a learning curve, and you're not going to find as many mistakes as you thought you're going to catch until you hear someone else complain about it. Charles, I suspect that you learned an awful lot along the way of publishing for the first time. Do you have any advice that you could offer to the aspiring authors out there? Yeah. Never assume you know everything. You can always learn more, and the writing industry always changes year by year. So what you know now will be different next year. And don't let the trends of today inspire what you're going to write tomorrow because it's going to change. So if you have a story you want to write, stick with it. Don't care about the trends. Write the story you want to read and always look at the demographics of what you want. I think a lot of readers and a lot of listeners are going to love this book. Again, it's titled Embers of Darkness. It's book one of the Flames of Adventure series, and it's written by C.C. Milton. Of course, this audiobook can be found anywhere that you pick up your audiobooks, like on Audible, the Apple iTunes Store, Amazon, everywhere. Well, Charles, thank you again for joining me here and telling me about your work. I had a nice time chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. Author Barb Leon has written an important new book about a pretty sensitive topic, and now the audiobook version is out. We're talking about walking onto sacred ground, sharing a registered nurse's career in oncology and hospice to diminish the fear and anxiety about death. And right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about this book and audiobook. Barb is here with me now. Barb, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Congratulations on having this new book out. Barb, can you tell me what you've written about here? My career as an RN started in oncology and hospice. I was in this important part of my career for several years. And when my daughter came to me about her fear of death, I decided rather than so many different avenues and different thoughts I had about talking about death in my career, I would write the book and be able to give it to her as a reference for years to come. So she was the main reason why I wrote the book. Hmm. How long did this take you once you sat down and started it? After writing, my process is to write down different thoughts different memories and putting it all together in a sequence that is understandable. So I'm going to say six months. Barb, did you have certain readers, certain listeners that you were speaking to here? Well, in this case, it was to my daughter. It was in my voice, in my way of speaking to her in a kind way, mm. how she would receive my information. So it was geared towards her. And when it comes to writing and publishing, everything like that, Barb, are you new to this or have you done it before? I have written another book. And in fact, I'm working on the second edition right now. Oh, wow. And this was Bullies, Bosses, and Angels. 
The second edition will have the same title, but with different information, more helpful information as far as the reason why it wrote the book. I can imagine it wouldn't get old every time that first copy comes into the book you just wrote. You've just been seeing it on the computer for months and months, and finally that physical one comes in, and you get to hold it in your hands, Barb. But what kind of a moment is that like? Oh, it's incredible because I have always written, like, and written in journals and thoughts and poems, and this is the first time I ever really realized I could put my thoughts together that would mean something to someone. So it's a very good feeling to be having that accomplishment. A lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. So, Barb, based on everything that you've experienced in writing, do you have any advice that you could offer them? I believe that if you could get discouraged by introducing your book or your thoughts, what you've written and a manuscript has been turned down, keep trying because you really truly believe that this is a message that someone will appreciate or be able to use or guide them in their decisions say in, a, in a career or how they're processing a death of a loved one, uh, that it would be informative and informational to them to help, like in this case, the fear of the death of their loved one, what they're going through, what to expect, even your own death. To acknowledge, like, my daughter was very appreciative of when I finished this book and she was able to read it, that it did relieve her fears. So that was that was good. Hmm. And now this is the audiobook version, Barb. What was it like hearing your book as opposed to reading it? Well, the person that I chose to read it has a very similar voice that I do, very soft-spoken, kind, informative. And she spoke in a manner as if she was talking to someone. So in my case, I always try to speak in a manner that I was talking to a friend or a family member or even a patient's family is something that was very critical in my memory of what they went through, what the patient goes through. And so it was the perfect person for me to have her read my book. Well, this is certainly an important book. I know so many readers are going to be blessed by it. And this, of course, is the audio book, so you can listen to it now as well. It's titled Walking onto Sacred Ground, Sharing a Registered Nurse's Career in Oncology and Hospice to Diminish the Fear of Anxiety About Death. It's written by Barb Leon, and of course, this is published by the Audiobook Network. You can find it on Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon or anywhere you pick up your audiobooks. Well, Barb, thanks again for coming on the show and doing all this really important work and getting it out there for everybody. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sitting down right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author T.K. Cassidy. T.K., welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here with me tonight. Thank you. I'm wildly excited to be here. Well, I'm wildly excited to find out about your new book. It's such a big deal. It's called who to Thunk It and the Girls. TK, what's this book all about? Well, I have three aunts who are very, very vibrant ladies. They're both in their 70s, or they're all in their 70s, and they still do biking and biathlons and stuff. Oh, wow. And I've always been so amazed by them because of their energy and vitality. And then I came across a card that I saw one time with three little ladies sitting in a very busy train station. And they look like twins. And all of a sudden, there's the idea between those three and my aunts, there's the idea for three sisters who are in their 70s, who are doing a lot of things people say 70-year-olds can't do. 
unfortunately, they ran out of money and somebody came and wanted to have them pay off a debt. And in order to do that, they had to go back to the skills their father taught them when they were children, which was cat burglary. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? 70-year-old cat burglar. Who'd have thunk it? I love it. I knew you would. <laughs> wow. Wow. This is so interesting. TK, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into this? What sorts of ages do you think? Well, I write humor. So if you if you can get past the fact that they're old people, you're going to laugh. I mean, everybody that <laughs> has told me anything about it has enjoyed it. I usually look towards older ladies and older men because, you know, that's what the main characters are. But I've had teenagers come and talk to me about how much they enjoyed the three ladies. So it's, it's wide. Fantastic. And when it comes to writing books and being published and all of that, TK, is this your first time around or are you used to this? Have you done it before? No, actually, Who the Thunk It and the Girls is the first of a trilogy. Hmm. And the third one is coming out in October. So Who the Thunk It, when, when I was like in kindergarten, the teacher put a pencil in my hand and I found out that that pencil made marks on papers and those marks made words and those words made sentences and those sentences made stories. And it was Katie Bar the Door. I've been writing since I was about eight years old. Wow. I've hundreds of stories. Most of them are in thought or in halfway done. And I've got seven up on Amazon now. Oh, wow. Including those three. Well, TK, when you think about the writing of Who to Thunk It and the Girls, was that a long process or did it come out pretty quickly for you? Interesting story. The Huda took me a little while. The first one took me a little while because I was really trying to establish these characters and these people. Mm. The second one, Huda Hitchens, which is about in the process of going through the things the ladies did as cat burglars, they met three guys. So I had to have them get married. And that's Huda Hitchens. And so that one, actually, I was talking to some people at a book talk and they were asking for another book. And I said, I didn't know what to write. And they started spitballing ideas. And five months later, I had that second book. So, I mean, it was that fast. Wow. So, so we released that one. And, of course, after they had got married, they have to go on their honeymoon. These guys got on an old tour bus that they got from an old band, a cover band called Aerosmith. But it's A-R-R-O-W. Ah, <laughs> I love it. They're the Aerosmith Grandfesters is who they are. Not ancestors, grandfathers. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone skydiving, hot air ballooning, on a trip to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And that book took me almost seven months to write because mm. I got stuck in one part. I'd never gone quite rotter rafting, so I was having trouble writing that. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's coming out in October. I'm really excited about it. Now, TK, can you tell me about the thoughts going through your head and the feelings you're experiencing whenever you finally get to hold that book you've been working on and you get to see it, your name's on the cover? When I first, I never wanted to put my books in print. I was going to just stay in, in e-books and be happy all my life. But mm. somebody talked me into doing it. And boy, that when I pulled that first book out, <laughs> I mean, you know, I know I'm not five years old anymore, but I was screaming and jumping and squealing around <laughs> like that. I promise you. <laughs> oh, I love it. My husband is very, very supportive. He's the first one to laugh in all the right places. And he said I looked like I had just had Christmas and Easter and <laughs> my birthday all rolled into one. Well, I know this is a book and an audio book that readers and listeners are really going to be into. And I think they ought to check it out. Again, this is titled Who to Thunk It and the Girls, written by T.K. Cassidy. And the audio book is published by the Audiobook Network. So get on Audible or head on over to the Apple iTunes store, get on Amazon. You'll be able to find this really anywhere that you pick up your audiobooks. Well, TK, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling me all about who to thunk it. I had a really nice time with you. Great. Thank you so much. I enjoyed myself immensely. 
There are a lot of us who struggle with challenges in our life, professionally, personally, and this just might be the book for us. It's titled Shatterproof, Practical Lessons to Help Navigate Difficult Moments. It's written by Kara Ramirez, and we get to talk all about this right here on the show. Kara is sitting right next to me. Kara, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to find out all about Shatterproof and what you've written here. Can you tell me all about this book, Kara? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the reality is, is like me, many of us are likely struggling in our lives. You know, it could be things like our health. It could be our family, you know, personal or professional. It, it really doesn't matter. But we're all facing challenges in this life. And this book is really designed to help us navigate those challenges and particularly learn how when we actually move over into the passenger's seat and try to stop taking control of our lives or our situations and really relinquish that control and give it to the one who can actually do something about it, when we put God in the driver's seat, how he can help us appropriately or properly navigate those challenges in our lives. Would you say then that this is aimed toward a Christian, a believing audience? I think it would, but it's certainly relevant to non-Christians as well, because Mm. again, everyone has issues, everyone has problems Mm. and struggles that they deal with in life. And so, you know, while there is a faith-based element to the book, there certainly are practical lessons that are relevant to all readers, quite honestly, just Mm. to help us deal with the certain obstacles and again, the struggles that we all face in life. So Kara, I'm curious, what sparked you to write this? How'd you get the idea for the book? What made you decide to publish it? Well, the reality is, is that I'm an avid learner and really found out that the way that I learn best is when I've got kind of a blueprint or a roadmap to kind of help me do actionable things to help me overcome the difficulties that I'm facing in life. And Mm. so really just thought, what better way than to take the own obstacles I've faced in my own life and really kind of jot down or really write a book that helps other people kind of navigate their own challenges when they were faced with things that, that you know, really just didn't seem like at the moment had a, a really great answer or really obvious answers, really just wanted to provide reasonable, actionable steps or things that they could do to be able to overcome those challenges that they faced. Mm. And Kara, is this something that you've done before? Have you written or published before, or is this your first time? So this is actually my second book. My first book is called Not My Secret, Triumph Over Tragedy. And so it was a book that I wrote prior to Shatterproof. And really, well, I'm a three-time cancer survivor. And so that book is really relevant towards an audience who's, you know, really battling some health challenges. Although, again, relevant. So it kind of explained my journey or my walk through that process. Mm-hmm. and kind of how I've come out of that. But that really was my first book and then followed up by Shatterproof. And from the time you sat down, started writing Shatterproof, clear up until it was published, Kara, was that a long process? You know, I would honestly say the entire process was about a year. And what did you find the most challenging part about the publishing end of things? You know, so many different things are involved. Uh, what was the toughest one for you? What I learned is it's a whole new world. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And the reality is, is I I was unfamiliar with the process. So certainly dipped my toe in the water with not my secret. And then again, with shatterproof, but really the process and what it all takes and really wanting to make sure that I was able to convey a clear message Mm -hmm. to the readers that came across in a relevant way and certainly open the door for God to speak to each individual reader without sounding like I was 
shaking my finger at someone or giving really harsh criticism, but really just saying, hey, let's all cut ourselves some slack and know that we're all going to face challenges. We're all going to face obstacles. And that's okay not to have it all figured out in the beginning. But really, if we want to do something different or if we want to really start to overcome what we're facing, there's really practical ways to do that that's accessible to all of us. Well, I think this book is really going to help a lot of readers. It's titled again, Shatterproof, Practical Lessons to Help Navigate Difficult Moments. Again, this is written by Kara Ramirez. It's published by Haas and Jenkins Publishing, and it's available anywhere that you go for your books. So head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or down the street, your local bookshop, and find this book. Kara, it's been wonderful talking with you here tonight. Thank you so much again for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. The Adventures of Codeman and Doski, Episode 1, The Importance of Losing. It's the new book. It just came out, written by C. Christopher Weaver. And right now, we're going to talk all about it. Christopher is here with me. Christopher, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for having me on. It's all my pleasure, Christopher. Can you tell me what readers will expect here whenever they open up The Adventures of Codeman and Doski? Well, The Adventures of Codeman and Doski was actually written based on a story that I had with my son. And it's basically for children to learn the importance of losing is just as important as learning winning. Hmm. The lessons you can learn along the way. And it's for children to have different experiences through sports, just playing games, and just lessons as they grow to be able to uh, handle difficult situations. I love it. What sparked you to write this? What gave you the idea? As I mentioned, it was a situation with my son. It was his first year playing tackle football. His team went undefeated all season long. And the very first game of the playoffs, they played a team that they had already beaten early on. So they thought it was going to be an easy win, and they lost. Oh, wow. They expected to win the entire championship, and they took it very hard. Mm. So on the way home, we had the conversation about never underestimate your opponent, how important losing is, that you need to learn to try harder different ways you need to improve yourself. Those lessons, it's a lot harder to lose than it is to win, <laughs> but it is important. Right. Well, I'm really glad that you took that moment that might have been negative in their minds and you turned it into a positive, into a learning moment. And really, that's what you've incorporated here. I love it. That is correct. Yes, thank you. Now, when it comes to writing and publishing and things like that, Christopher, have you, have you ever done anything like it before? You know, this is actually the first book that I have written. I have several now <laughs> that are kind of in the wings that I'm, I'm ready to try and get those published as well. But this is my very first step, my very first book that is published, and I plan on this one being a series. I have another one that's already uh, accepted through Christian Faith Publishing, and I'm looking to get that one started right away. Oh, congratulations. It's such a big deal. You know, you. Christopher, so many people say, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And how many of those people actually do it? And so you're one that actually followed through and you did it, and it was a huge deal. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. It was actually a dare from my wife. I dare oh, you to really? write this. Other kids need to hear this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you should share the story. And I took it from there, and the rest is history. There you go. It was a challenge. You had to meet it. Indeed. I love it. <laughs> So that day comes, Christopher, and you finally get your first copy in. You get to hold the book. Your name's on the cover and everything. It had to be a crazy moment for you. Can you tell me about it? It was very exciting. My mm. wife actually got her cell phone out and recorded me opening the box, mm. holding it for the first time, and it was amazing. I got to share that with my family. Oh, wow. All my kids were there. It was, it was amazing. And doing this kind of thing for the first time can be quite the learning experience. I'm sure you're aware of that. So... 
Is there anything you picked up along the way that you could throw out there as sort of advice for the aspiring authors? I did. First off, I thought it was going to be a very intimidating process, and it really wasn't. It was very easy. Now, there are a lot of things that I did underestimate, (laughs) a lot of things that you have to decide with your book exactly, you know, to make it the way you want it to come out, the message, the pictures, the illustrations, and, and the editing and things of that nature. So there was definitely a lot more to it. It was a longer process than I thought than just sitting down and writing it and sending off a manuscript. But it was very exciting. Each step of the way was exciting. Know that you're getting closer and closer. And now going forward, I have that experience and I'm ready to just run with it and keep putting books out. Wonderful. How long of a time frame was this once you started it, clear up until it was published? For me to write the book, it was actually about a half hour to 40 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> since I had the story to base it off of. Yeah. <laughs> the writing part was the easy part. From start to finish, about eight months to a year. From the start that it got approved for the manuscript till it was actually published, printed. So it is kind of a slower process, but it's exciting every step of the way. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of people are really going to love this book. It has such a great message. I encourage everybody out there to seek it out. It's titled The Adventures of Codeman and Doski, Episode 1 The Importance of Losing. This is written by C. Christopher Weaver and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere. So get on Amazon, go on to Barnes & Noble or iTunes, take a walk down the street to your local bookstore, and you'll be able to pick this up. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for telling me all about this book. Again, I love the message. Thank you so much for doing it. I had a really nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you so much, Corey, and I once again appreciate you giving me the call. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 